today on The Breakdown. Have we got something special for you today? It's from the new high-stakes poker matchup on Poker Go, and it's got greatest player of all time, question mark, Bryn Kenny against definitely not greatest player of all time, but greatest sex tape of all time, question mark, Rick Solomon. They're going to play a hand where, well, let's just say this. They both have over $400,000 cash in front of them, and a lot of money will find its way to the middle of this pot. Both players are going to have big hands, but the board's going to get a little wonky, and does this much money need to go in? Are there ways to survive this, even when you are either, say, greatest sex tape guy of all time or greatest player of all time? Well, we're going to get all into it all right now on The Breakdown with Grant Dennison and Jonathan Levy. I can see the argument, but I think you might be hard-pressed to find a large group of people who would actually consider Bryn Kenny the greatest player of all time. Yeah, me too. But I said question mark. Yeah. I mean, he's clearly very good. He is the highest tournament winner of all time. Yeah. He does things that most players are incapable of doing without just completely spewing their money away. And he seems to be able to do it regularly without completely spewing his money away. Now, I don't mean that from a bankroll perspective. I mean that from an actual poker play perspective. Yeah. Right? Because if he, if he is the greatest player of all time, let's say he might also be the worst bankroll manager of all time. And I'm not saying other people don't have, I mean, come on, worst bankroll management, but it's in actuality, the worst bankroll manager of all time, as far as what he's done in his life, because others who are that bad at bankroll management don't usually have the opportunity to buy a half a million dollar bottle of whiskey when they've put their entire bankroll into a $1 million tournament and have made the final table, right? Like the actual anecdotes of how bad his bankroll management are may be the worst of all time. I mean, they're definitely our worst bankroll managers. Okay, so like... Uh, Lots of people are worse. Gino Reem, maybe. Yeah, also, I think you're, you're just keeping it within the demographic of like known professional poker yes, players. Yes. There's like so many people who've like lost everything, like very rich people who've like lost it all gambling and some of them on poker, you know. Okay, that, well... That would be the worst bankroll management, okay, you know. Okay, well, if... If Gila Liberté only had $20 million to start, he would be the worst bankroll manager of all time. Right. But he, the $20 million that he lost, which is at minimum the most he lost, or the least he lost, like is nothing to him. So it doesn't right. really count as bad bankroll management. Not for say. him. But yeah. what about the people who had... There are people who had $20 million to start and now have nothing. That absolutely happens, right? Like rich... What about all those people? Who, who are you thinking of? Just the, your generic guy who had a lot of money and, and went and lost it all in poker. Of course that happens, right? Like don't you, you read about, I certainly read about guys, this isn't poker related, but it's the same idea who are like lose literally hundreds of millions of dollars in casinos and go from like, you know, they're, they're usually people who inherited wealth, Yeah, but, um, they had, they had started with $500 million and they're now broke. Like that. Yeah. So. I, I would argue that you don't see that in poker. You see that in the other casino games. Really? Yeah. How can you argue that? That's a strange thing to argue to me. Because I can't, like, I feel like I would be able to think of at least an anecdote or two of a person who would fit the bill, and I can't. Huh. Um, okay. I don't know. I, I'm pretty sure Matt Kirk is still doing okay because he had such an insanely large fortune to yeah. start with. Otherwise, he might have been a guy. <laughs> so that doesn't count? No. Um, no, anyone who can afford to lose it and still have the... Have it, like Charles Barkley always used to say, who cares if I lose money at gambling? I can afford it. It doesn't yeah. matter. You know, like stay off my, yeah. stay off my lawn. And he's right. Um, I think that's fine. You know, you, he's playing within his, you know, 
bankroll, I guess. There are people who don't. Can we just acknowledge that? Yeah, and I mean, that's also assuming they have no future earning potential outside of poker either, right? Like, I think based on magnitude, Bryn Kenny may be the worst bankroll manager of all time <laughs> because he doesn't have earning... But he's not, it's not like he's just like, okay, I lost my entire poker bankroll of $20 million. Now I get to go back to my 700 k a year job and I'm fine. It's not like that for Bryn Kenny. I mean, you don't know anything about Bryn Kenny, though, right? Do you right? think he has a 700 k a year job? No, but do you... You make it sound like he he wouldn't get hired at Burger King when he's got this Burger King. He's got this incredible like game theory, optimal mind, mathematical mind. You don't think he could get jobs that pay reasonably well? I, I don't. Know. I, I, I say don't know. he could. Maybe he could. I say most most people who are at that level could absolutely find okay. jobs. All right, if you say so. Like DraftKings hires guys like that. Honestly, if nothing else, like for sure. Do you think? It's a possibility that if magnitude is included, that yeah. Bryn Kenny is the worst bankroll manager of all time in poker. I highly doubt it. Okay. But I guess if you say it's a possibility, that's like, I feel like the, the DNA expert at the OJ trial where they're like, is it a possibility? Okay. That I'm like, well, it's, it's one in seven I mean, billion, that's, that's a bit, but I guess it's a possibility. That's a bit much considering how clearly bad it bank. <laughs> like the anecdote I said before is enough. Like yeah. half a million dollar bottle of whiskey when he spent his entire bankroll. It was not. The, I don't think it was. Enti- I think it was a third of his bankroll. Okay, fine. Or half his bankroll. Sure. Just to be clear, those are really different they things. They are, but still. It's still terrible. Yeah. It's still. No, it's. It, he's going to go bust, even though he's the greatest winner of all time. Yeah. I and mean, there's no question, right? He's 100% going broke in poker. Yeah. Like 100%. It sucks for him, unless he changes things, which I doubt he's going to. It just feels like. It hurts me to talk about this, this bankroll management thing. It, like, it makes me feel so hopeless for him. And, you know, yeah. I, like we know people who are on a much lower poker level than Brick Kenny that it's like, if that guy wins the main event, he's still not going to have any money a year later, you know? I mean, I see this all the time in poker. I see it all the time in crypto, actually, too, which I have my nose in a little bit, as, as you may know. How, how do you see it in crypto? Um, so there are lots of people who... Um, well, so there's a thing which is um, where you can basically buy with leverage... So what you're really so you're not actually so you're buying like options on crypto rather than uh, buying the actual crypto yeah, yeah. itself. And and you can buy with like 100x leverage, which means, you know, if Bitcoin you there's a there's a um a band. So if Bitcoin's at $35,000, you basically say, well, if Bitcoin hits $36,000, I bet 100 I bet $1,000 and you pay me 100,000 if it hits 36. But if it goes to, you know, but if it drops down just a little bit, I lose my bet. Yeah. You know? Um and the thing is that people go completely bust doing that constantly. I read about it all the time. Well, that's, that's also in the stock market, right? Just options trading in general. Yes. It's this because what we're really talking about is this gambling paradigm, right? right. Of like, I've got to get it all. I've got to make as much as I can as fast as possible. And I'm just going to hope to get lucky. But the problem is you can't hope to get lucky 30 times in a row, which is kind of what these guys all do, right? They keep betting the house. And even if you like, it worked well for a while, ultimately they all go broke. Read Fooled by Randomness. It's a great, uh, it's a great book. And is among other things about this, where Nassim Talib is the trader who is like, has strong fundamentals, takes his time, doesn't try and have the really big win, the really big short-term win anyway. He really goes for very big long-term wins, but it's different. Um, It's strategic. And like he's living in his house, and across the street is the much bigger mansion. And every three years, someone new moves in because the old guy goes broke. And like he's watched it happen for decades because that's just how it is. These are the guys who live a very particular lifestyle, and the only way that they get there is by playing 
you know, the die, they roll the dice too many times and someone's going to roll the dice six times in a row. You know, if enough people are rolling dice or 10 times in a row, it's going to happen, but they aren't going to roll it 10 more times in a row. And they keep, they keep betting too much or risking too much. Eventually it catches up with you. It's, it's an unsustainable lifestyle. Uh, move or unsustainable strategy. Right. And that's why bankroll management is important, right? Because anytime Bryn Kenny enters a tournament or a cash game, he's plus EV almost certainly. Uh, Right. Oh my God. Maybe Uh, every, maybe every time, but that one iteration of being plus EV does not mean it's a good bankroll decision. If it's risking too much of your bankroll to allow you to have future plus EV spots that can be as valuable to you. Of course. Right. No, that's true. That's true. And Bryn Kenny buying himself into that million dollar tournament or whatever it was, uh, Seems like a really bad decision, even though he won it, even though he ended up winning $20 million. Seems like a really terrible decision. And I don't think he thinks it's a bad decision, which is why he's going to keep making decisions like that and eventually go bust. Mm -hmm. Like, I know it may sound crazy. He's won $55 million. Maybe more by now, probably more by now. Um, But like, it's almost a guarantee he's going to be bust. Yeah. It sucks. Maybe you can change his, maybe maybe you can change his ways. Maybe, maybe. It just it stresses me out, man. I mean, they all go bust, man. Anyone who is not... If, if you don't have that Phil Galfond mindset, you basically always end up going bust. Like Tom Dwan got a little too much gamble, yeah. has gone bust, right? I mean, there's, there's a, it's not just Phil Galfond. There's a decent swath of pros who don't go bust, right? Um, uh, it's, you know what it is? It's the new school, more math-oriented guys who yeah. are less likely to go bust. The old school guys all went broke. Except for Doyle. Except for Doyle. I was just going to say that Doyle, I don't think, ever actually went broke. Uh God, I God, how about that fucking guy? It's decades and decades and decades. Yeah. It's so impressive. It's very impressive. But I think everyone else went broke. And they, like when you read books about it, because I used to read, when I first got into poker in 2004, I read a million poker books. And that was still, everything was old school back then. That was before this yeah. massive new wave of math and playing well. And so all the stories I read were basically about how every single one of these guys, like, is, they talk about it like it's so normal. Like they expect to go broke even. I mean, it's really strange. It is. It's, I feel like it's something you also, you see on a smaller scale all the time. If, uh, if somebody wins an EPT or a big 10 K and they haven't, they haven't played a lot of 10 Ks, you know, for example, you and I, we don't play many 10 Ks. We play no. the main event every once in a while, but we don't, it's not like we're going around playing 10 Ks for sure. I, I think there's a lot of poker players who have like hit one 5k or 10 K for like 1.4 million, then decided to tour and play 10 Ks. And within two years, it's all gone. Oh, right. I'm for sure. I mean, I have lots of stories of this. Uh, my, my best story, which you've heard, is I have a friend who, for whatever... I may have told this story in the last six years on the show, but I'm whatever, telling it again. it's a good story. Yeah, I have a friend. So he was playing whatever he was... Oh, I think he won a triple draw circuit ring back in the day, like in 2006 or something like that, for like not a whole lot of money, for like $20,000 or something. Can't be that much triple draw circuit ring. Yeah. Can't be that much. Yeah. Um, but he won yeah. and he like thought that was cool and sat at what well, at the time was the biggest game in the world with, I believe $17,000. I think they were playing 500,000, maybe it was two. No, I think they were playing two fifty five hundred. but then the big bet was a thousand, right? So it was a limit game. Yeah. Yeah. It was a mixed game limit and he won, he won like a hundred thousand dollars the first night. And then, and within three months was up a million dollars playing that game. And to some degree, understandably thought like he was just maybe the best player in the world and was going to, you know, be great forever and started traveling, started playing on the circuit, yeah. you know, playing no limit, hold them 10 K events, which he's totally not equipped to do in any real way. Um, and ultimately guys like, um, you know, the Barry Greensteins of the world and the Phil Ives of the world, like after they got to know him a little bit, like 
ate his lunch. And by the end of the year, he was up 50,000 instead of being up a million and spent the next two years being very depressed, <laughs> understandably. And then eventually like pulled himself out of it and now has a normal job and all that. Um, so what's the point? The point is like, that's some crazy ass shit <laughs> where like he, he took, like he had a million dollars in his hand and like didn't have anything, anything built into him, which is like, okay, now that I'm up a million, once he's like, you can keep playing in that game for a while. I think that's fine when you're up a million, like keep playing. But when you're, when you then lose $600,000 back to Barry Greenstein at all, at some point, you might say to yourself, I'm going to bank some of this money yeah. rather than put it all on the table, right? But right. that's not how he's built. My friend is not built that way. He's a gambler and always bets too much, honestly, and always has. And that's, I'm thinking of another guy who won a uh, daily deep stack at the World Series, not you, though, even though you have as well, Grant, for like, I think it was like for 40K or something like that, and immediately bought himself into a uh, WSOP 5K shorthanded event. And I remember him telling me that, and I just sort of like internally was like, what are you doing? Yeah. Like you are, you won against the worst players in the world. Congratulations. Good for you. Like still, that's great. But like now you're going to play the best players in the world for like a really, why would you, you're just setting $5,000 on fire. There's no point. And of course he had given all that money back, I think by the end of the summer, yeah. because he's like going to take all his shots. And it's like, you already, like you just had a nice win. Like what the fuck are you doing? Like. Now, that said, every so often, someone pulls this exact thing off, right? And then they elevate themselves. Yeah. It, uh, those, it does happen. Those anecdotes are what drive everybody else to fail. Exactly. But, like, overall, these are terrible right. decisions. And this isn't, this isn't how you create sustainability. That's no. all. It's, like, kind of, it's kind of like all of these people um, really buy into the idea of the Martingale strategy, but forget about the part where you have to have unlimited money. <laughs> <laughs> right on. Right on. Blackjack reference for those who don't know. Yeah. And you can just look it up. Martin Gale strategy. I, I once dated someone who, um, not for very long, but she was working like, she was like doing dishes in Las Vegas and like wanted to play in a Bellagio $400 tournament or something like that and like got in advance, sat down, played, won it, won like $7,000, yeah. $8,000, bought herself into a 3K Bellagio tournament won it, Wow! won like $400,000, flew herself to Australia to play in Aussie Millions, had a great Aussie Millions, like final table, like three or four events. Wow. Um, like became like a known player for a while. People were like, Daniel Grano, I remember seeing this video. This is before I started Daniel, but I, I yeah. like Googled her at some point. And he was saying like, I'm really like a little afraid of her. She's really good, all this kind of stuff. And not surprisingly, she ended up flaming out. She just had this very aggressive style and because she was a small female, people believed her for hmm. a long time. And eventually they learned to not believe her, and that was the end of her. You know, and, huh. yep. and then she's just another you know, corpse along the fucking <laughs> road of poker. Yep, there's lots of them. Yeah. Hey, speaking of corpses. Bring uh, Kenny. No, oh. not a corpse. But before <laughs> we get to poker, one more thing. Because oh. I, I, I just learned through a philosophy podcast, actually. Of course. Uh, called Philosophize This. A little shout out. Good, good podcast. Um, I just learned that where, where plus EV came from or where the idea of expected value and probability came from. Do you know? Um, nope. Is a philosopher and uh, what he kept calling a polymath genius from the 1600s named Blaise Pascal. And you might, have, you might know that name from Pascal's Wager. Sure. Which is a stupid fucking philosophy, but we don't need to get into that. Um, but Blaise Pascal in the 1600s invented expected value because he believed there was no such thing as complete scientific truth. So the only thing you can do is make a series of plus EV decisions and your life will go well, hmm. which is pretty fucking sick for a 1600s person to figure out. 
Yeah, good for him. Yeah. And also, his first name is Blaze. Yeah. Wow. With it, but it's but he's French. It's like B-L-A-I-S-E. Still super cool. Yeah. Either way, I didn't realize that the concept went back that far. Mm. It's pretty cool. Yeah, that is pretty cool. Uh, I'm not super surprised it went back that far, I guess, but... It's neat that I guess the idea of expected value is one thing. The idea of is like making expected value life decisions, I guess, is a different thing, yeah. right? Yeah. And of course, there's a lot of nuance involved. And you can see why he's the guy who invented it if you know what Pascal's wager is and like how you would think about that from an expected value perspective. Right. But there's too many factors in that. We don't have to get into it, but that, right. it's a stupid fucking thing. But whatever, you can that, look it up. That's the thing about like if there's God or not and believing it's, well, in God. It, so basically, he, he was saying like, even if there is like a very small chance that God exists in your mind, you should follow the Christian faith. Right. But like, obviously what if Muslims are right instead, you know, like you don't, we don't have to get into it. Yeah. As you said, there's a lot of assumptions that yeah, go into that, which right. is not true. But anyway, yeah. Moving on. Moving on. <laughs> we run from the religion discussion. Yes, we will not talk about that. <laughs> not on this podcast. Maybe in the future. Yeah. On the, the Denison re- and Lovey podcast. Yep. Coming out in the year 2023. It's going to be great. All right. January, 2023. Don't say January. That's too early. (laughs) Okay. Sorry. Um, (laughs) All right. This hand was suggested by Derek Brown and Max Sawyer. Whoa. Max and Max and Max and Sawyer. You dropped a bomb on me with that. A Sawyer bomb. Yeah. Is that what Max Sawyer says when he exits a bathroom? (laughs) Sawyer bomb. (laughs) (laughs) I mean, the other guys, is it Tom Brown? Derek Brown. Is that what Derek Brown says when he exits Brown about, bomb. <laughs> it's a little, yeah, maybe. I mean, you know, you know who's going to be um, not delighted about this opening? I just realized Rex. Rex is going to be super upset. About Why it. does he still listen, Rex? Why do you still listen? It's been five years. You still listen. You hate everything we do. What are you doing? He's probably not listening. He probably happened to find it one time. Yeah. So Rex just tweeted. Uh, just for because you know, it's a little bit of why are we giving the troll a, a place in the sun? This is this is you're not supposed to negotiate with terrorists. We're not doing it for him. We're doing it for us. Okay, it's different, man. So this guy Rex, who's a total internet troll, he's hated us for years. Oh god, he hates everyone though. It's not really personal. Um, so I don't even know where it is. It doesn't matter. So he he basically someone I think oh it was Chad McVean like tweeted about how great our podcast was as he does regularly. And Rex wrote something like, it's been 11 minutes. They still haven't started talking about poker. It's terrible or something like yeah. that. And I responded, bro, we've literally been doing that every podcast. <laughs> bro, that's literally every podcast of ours, yeah. right? And we got a lot of likes from our audience, of course. And a lot of people saying, basically complaining that it isn't more non-poker stuff because, you know, no one's here for the poker. Well, content. those people are going to like it and Rex is going to hate it because we're currently at over 18 minutes. Oh, no. Are you serious? Although we have been talking about poker-related yeah, things. It's yeah. like sometimes the 11 minutes are like, we're talking about like the Earth's orbit and all that sh- and like yeah. random shit. This, we've actually been talking about poker-related things. I think this doesn't even count as off-topic. No. I think Rex would be like, you know what? I mean, terrible, but not because of the lack of poker content. He'd be like, you know what? You know, do they still have a Patreon? I, I feel like <laughs> I feel like giving them a little bit of money. Eighteen minutes. Wow, the time just goes so fast. I mean, we're talking about fun stuff. Of course, we are. And you should enjoy it, Rex. Uh, Rex. You should. But you should. it's okay. You you do you, Rex. You be you. You it's do your fine. thing. It's fine. Okay, Derek Brown, Max Sawyer. Yeah. Champions of the world who suggested this hand. Of course, they suggested it on Twitter. That's also where you can troll us. Yeah. What, what? Breaking news. What? James Harden just got traded to the New Jersey Nets. Brooklyn Nets. Okay. That's well, all I know. That's completely unrelated. To I know, but it felt like a big deal. I needed to say it. All okay. right. Back to, uh, back to life. All right. Back to life. Derek Brown and Max Sawyer. They suggested this hand on Twitter. We are the poker guys on Twitter. That's where you can either suggest hands, troll us, or say nice things. Yeah. Those are all options for you. 
and we don't mind any of them. Trolling's fine. It's kind of ah, fun. I, I now am into it. Like, I like the trolling. Now. Yeah, it's, it's fun. Yeah, it's fun. Let's see if uh, Rick Solomon and, and Bryn Kenny can get any trolling ire up for these people, huh? I'm sure Rick Solomon's never been trolled in his life. Is that a, that's a joke? Yeah. Okay. <laughs> cool. <laughs> so this is a big game. It is the high stakes poker. I believe it's 400, 800, and they've got a double straddle on. Yeah. $3,200 double straddle, which is, uh, which is where Rick Solomon is. I don't know if the whole table's double straddling, but we know Rick Solomon is, and he's got endless money for some reason. Producer of films? Something like uh, that? I'm not sure. All right. Endless money. Either way, we got Brandon Steven, who limps in late position with ace four of clubs. He's made a couple deep main event runs. He's like this known rich guy who I guess does okay in poker. Yeah. Uh, he's not going to matter in the hand. So forget about him forever. Still ace four of clubs. Ace four of clubs. Bryn Kenny, 430K in front of him, is in the original straddle, the $1,600 straddle. He limps with two fives. What do you think about that versus raising when there's a bunch of money out there for free? Well, it's not free, right? Okay. You, yeah. you know, Brandon Steven isn't going to fold if you raise, right? I mean, like, he might if you make it 20K. He might, but these guys mostly are here to play, right? Yeah. So I assume usually he's not folding um, most of his limping range. Um, I think it's fine with two fives just to complete and try and flop a set against these guys who a lot of the value is not knocking them out early and picking up one blind. A lot of the value is playing a really big hand with these guys and their their standards are just not good enough for like certain spots. By one blind, I assume you mean nine blinds because that's how much Brinkenia has not contributed to the preflop pot already. There's Rick Solomon with four blinds, Brandon Steven with four blinds, the big well, blind. Oh, nine okay. and a half blinds. Excuse I me. Guess. I was wrong. I'm thinking of that as all one blind. You are correct, I suppose. But the point is, like, I think there's, like, because they're so deep, I think the, the value is in playing, you know, deep, deep, big, deep hands. And so this is a hand that plays really well multi-way. I think it's a, I, I prefer a, a call here, especially when we're going to be out of position. But it's not, obviously not terrible, the race. Yeah. Anyway, he doesn't. Yeah. Rick Solomon does, though. Hello. Ricky he Boy's got? got 550K in front of him. He's got two sixes. He's got oh. the old, uh, old Brinster pipped. Six of hearts, six of clubs. Going to make it 22K. That's a sizable wager. It that, could get both of his opponents to fold. It could. Now, I'll say this. Um, there's a little more value in Solomon raising than in uh, than Kenny raising. Just, nah, not really. It's about the same, actually. I take yeah. it back. I take it back. Because you you're going to get about the same fold equity from the other blind either way. You should take it back. I did. All right. Well, Mr. Uh, Mr. Stevens going to fold, so I guess you were wrong about being there to play. I guess so. I'm surprised. With ace four of clubs, it's a, it's a hand that can flop There's well. already You already put 3,200 in, right? Yeah. You know you're going to get a cough. Well, you don't know that. Bryn no. Kenny may fold. You get to be in position. Bryn has, like, the, the whole deck. You know? Yeah, yeah. Bryn, yeah Bryn, Bryn's folding a lot. Yeah. Um, you get to be in position. I'm really surprised he folds this hand. Well, he Actually. does. I mean, he could have just raised pre-flop and made it easier on himself, by the way, but whatever. Like, you can't really go limp folding this hand. Like, what the hell, man? In position. Yeah. Yeah. It's, it almost feels like the money's too big for him or something. He's like, ah, it's already four blinds. If I raise, it's going to be, you know, nine blinds, and that's too much, you know, like... I mean, he limped ace four of clubs in a double-straddled pot and then folded to this raise. It seems like he maybe has some fundamental errors in his game. Yeah. Maybe that's all it is. It could be. I'm dominated. I have to fold. It's Rick Solomon. Yeah. Come on. Did you see the Fogel saying hand? Did you see it? <laughs> you yeah, like we can't fold this hand unless you don't have it unless you just not don't have four hundred K in front of you, but what the fuck are you doing in this game if yeah. you have four hundred K in front of you? Right. Anyway, Bryn's gonna go ahead and call, obviously. Has to with his two fives. I mean he could back raise, but that seems like suicide. Yes. So don't do that. Yeah. This is one of those things that does sort of suck as Bryn Kenny now where we're gonna put twenty two thousand in 
total. And we're going to have to check fold like a great percentage of the time or, or fold on the turn or whatever. You know, it's just going to suck a lot. It is going to suck. But got to do it. Something that doesn't suck yes. is Thrive Fantasy Sports, Jonathan. Thriving on fantasy. Right. I, wanna, I want you guys to remember this code. It's PG50. That is what you have to use when you sign up for Thrive Fantasy. You can get it in the App Store, the Google Play Store, or go to their website at thrivefantasy.com. It is a new type of DFS. It's different. It's a little more fun. I mean, aren't we all a little burned out? And they didn't tell me Honestly. to say, aren't we all a little burned out? They didn't tell me to say that. I just said it on, on <laughs> the normal DFS bullshit where it's like, yes. hey, you get you know a salary cap of $71,000 and you get to fill out your roster with these players and everybody can have the same players and it's it not that it is boring. Right? Honestly, I don't like it. I've, I've like, not What are you rooting it. for? You're just rooting for the same players as other people. Yeah. Who cares? I feel you, dog. Thrive sees that and sees that it's not so fun. So they have a different way to do it. It's with player props, which is way more fun because you get to root for little individual things to happen. And it's such a big deal when it happens, right? Like you can root for Patrick Mahomes to have more than three touchdowns. Mm-hmm. The prop can be you get, you know, uh, 55 points when 50 is the average if, if Patrick Mahomes throws three right. or more touchdowns. So it's so exciting for you when he gets his third touchdown. It, it, stuff like that. You get you get to pick 10 player props out of 20 available to build your lineup and you play against other people either in tournament or, or cash formats. And uh, it's a lot of fun. It's a different way to do it. It's like you get to root for individual players in ways that is different than normal. You get to enjoy the, the, the thrill of propping, which is what brings all of your people in your family and friends who watch the Super Bowl with you and don't know anything about football. That's what they enjoy, right? It's because it's universally enjoyable, Jonathan. Isn't that so? I mean, it totally is, Grant. You're knocking this one out of the park. I know. You're saying everything right. <laughs> and I Thanks. think our audience is sold. Okay. On this. At this point, they're like, what was that website again? Thrive, Thrive Fantasy? Thrive Fantasy. Yeah, you can get it in the, the App Store or the Play Store. I think they're like, what was that code again? PG50? It's PG50, yeah. Huh. Is there an app also, a Thrive Fantasy app? Of course, there's, I said it's in the App Store and the Play Store. <laughs> <laughs> Our audience doesn't listen super well, though, in fairness to them. That's not a put down. I mean, it's a little bit of a put down. Um, yeah, this is the shit, and you got to get it. And by you. the way, that code is worth something. It's not just saying. I'll use the code. You get you oh, get a fifty dollar match on your first deposit. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And also, you know, please use it because uh, this is how they know that you came through us. And you know, they're like uh, poker guys. We're paying attention. Yeah, and we love you. And also, we think you're the greatest poker guys. Yeah, poker guys. Here's a present we bought just because we were thinking about oh, you. Oh, is it chocolates? <laughs> poker guys. This isn't like uh, a present for Christmas. It's not a gift. It's just it's like it's a gift, but not for any particular. It's thing. like I was at the grocery store and in the <laughs> checkout line. And I, I saw this and I thought of you. Yeah, like see this. It's a gold bracelet. I know, I know. But and you don't owe me anything. But I just I had to get it for you, yeah. poker guys. The thing that's tough for us is there's two of us and there's only one gold bracelet. But I'm just going to wear it. There will be a fight. (laughs) I'm just going to wear it. No, you're not. That's mine. (laughs) All right. Nice job. That's how you do an ad, people. That's how you do an ad. You're welcome, Thrive. And this is how you do the rest of a podcast. So we got Bryn Kenny out of position against Rick Solomon. Kenny's got two fives. Solomon's got two sixes. $49,200 in the pile already. Okay. That's signif, as the kids say. They all say that. The flop is a good one for both players, but especially Bryn Kenny. Four of diamonds, five of clubs, seven of clubs. Yep. Notably, Mr. Steven over there, Brandon Steven, who didn't want to play this hand after a limping 3,200 preflop, has ace four of clubs. It's four, five, seven with two clubs. It's a super sick flop, really. It'd be a three-way monster. It would. But, oh, well, Brandon Steven. You know, I mean, right now you have the worst of it. The worst hand, at least. Not the worst of it, but the worst. Yeah, you have 
decent equity against yes, both hands. Yes, you do. Everyone's got decent equity. Yes. Solomon with the worst equity. Yes. With two sixes But still. Uh, Bryn's going to check. Feels like Solomon's going to bet a lot of the time. That seems pretty normal. I would guess Solomon is C-betting too much on boards like this, and we would have to check and let him do that at least. He's got a reasonable hand to do it with right now. He's got two yeah. sixes on open under on this board. Yep. Got to protect. Got to build a, build a pot. Seems like fine. an obvious bet. So Rick's going to bet 30K into 49,200. I'm cool. I got no problem with that. You are cool. Thank you, Grant. How should Bryn proceed? Yeah. This is like, uh, in most cases, this is a raise, right? You're out of position. It's a wet board. You don't want your opponent to either get scared off or catch up. It, like, you don't know what's going to happen betting-wise in the future because you're out of position, which, which hurts a lot with a hand this strong on this vulnerable of a board. All of that is true. Um, also, we're Bryn Kenny, so we may get less credit for raising on flops than yep. we otherwise would get. The other side of it, of course, is that when you're talking about catching up, there's not too much catching up we should worry about. Like, it's not that often Solomon's got a six in his hand, for example. Got clubs sometimes. He could have clubs, but not very often either. Right? Do we have the five of clubs in our hand? Uh, no. Okay. It's so, on the board. So, okay. Fair enough. Um, but you're right. Of course it is. Uh, still, like, Solomon rarely has a six and he rarely has clubs, right? Now, sometimes he has an overpair and it's going to pay us off. Uh, but every time he doesn't have an overpair and he doesn't have a big draw, it's over if we check raise, right? Sure, but when we check call on this board anyway, like we're not check calling with nothing. We're not checking calling with king queen of diamonds no, on this we're board. Not. Like, of course not. Now, Rick Solomon might make some sporadic decisions that might make us some money in the future. Maybe that's a, a factor in making our decision here. But typically, I wouldn't expect a continued bluff with like an ace jack with no clubs type hand. I think if you're we right. check call this board and I then like a deuce comes, I don't see that happening. That's a really good point. So, so the value in calling here is to give Rick Solomon a chance to catch up a little bit, right? Yeah. If he's got ace jack to hit an ace to hit a jack, and then we can get more money and right? by her, how, whichever way we go about it there. Yeah. You know, we might, we might check raise, we might just check call, but some version of that anyway. Um, I think the other thing we have to weigh is like, how often do we think Rick is going to keep bluffing with certain hands? Right. Yeah, that's a good point. But also how often is Rick going to pay us off when other players might not, if we yeah, check raise, like that's fair. I don't think Rick's folding an overpair. No, me either. Just because he's Rick Solomon, but also because look at this board. Like, Brin Kenny has so many check raises that are not strong hands that are, that are like semi-bluffs. I think no good player can fold uh, any pair if they get check raised to Brin Kenny on this board. I think that's a mistake to fold any pair on the flop. Yeah. Maybe on the turn river, different. But on the flop, I think we absolutely have to call. So, so that's a fair point. So, and Rick, Rick does have a bunch of overpairs, right? He raised from the the double straddle yeah. he didn't have to and is now betting you know 60 percent a pot here he has some overpairs and the board might get scary if he's got two tens there's a lot of cards that can come that is going to lose us value if we don't check raise right now right probably it's better to check raise at least most of the time we obviously don't want to check raise all the time though you want to have a mixed strategy here. i mean it depends on what we've seen of rick so far in the session too and, and in our career against rick maybe rick has such a wide range yeah. raising out of the straddle when it's a limp pot that it's more profitable to call and hope he continues bluffing. Like Rick has like King deuce off and stuff here. Maybe like if, yeah. if that's, if that's the case, then maybe Brent is deciding, okay, it's better for me to give up that value against over pairs sometimes because Rick has bluffs too, too frequently. Yeah. That could be the case. The other thing is as Brent, you might be thinking Rick goes for a little more thin value at times. And I have, I have some evidence of that just from watching other Rick Solomon hands where he'll go for a thinner value at least than some other players might. So then you also think like, even if he has two tens and a jack comes, he might just keep betting anyway, 
which is not unreasonable. Is it thin value or is it overvaluing your hand? Well, like the Vogel saying hand yeah. I referenced earlier. Oh, that's he was betting for that's value different. on the river. That's right? not thin value. Yeah. That's just that's that's different than what I'm thinking. Yeah, of. yeah. Um, fair enough. But those are all good reasons, really. Yeah. Both of those are good reasons then to give him a chance to do those things, right? Versus versus raise. Now, also stack to pot is such that if we call on the, if we just call this, where there's going to be what a hundred and ten thousand dollars in the pot and there's going to be something like 350 effective back give or take which means it's not unreasonable that we can get all in if if rick decides to go bet shove rick, rick could go bet shove eh no he can't it's actually a little too yeah so that's another reason to check raise actually is if we want to try and get all of it the putting the raise in sooner probably gives us a chance to do that a better chance to do that i should say yeah so I think mostly we want to check race here, but we can't always check race. I agree. Um, I think to me, the only reason though, not to against a player like Rick, who you don't have to be balanced against is if we've really seen him have just a ton of bluffs in spots like this. Yeah. Cause other th- otherwise I just want to put more money in right now out of position. And when you say a ton of bluffs, I assume you mean um, a ton of bluffs that he's going to continue. Bluffing yeah. Yeah. With. Like yeah. pre-flop he's, he's trying to steal from the straddle all the time and he's going to, he's going to follow through on that with, with relatively high frequency. Yeah, you mean like on the turn? Yeah, yeah, because he's like, oh, cool, you've you flopped a five, you have you whatever. I mean, like, Bryn could easily check call with a hand like Ace Five suited, right? And then Absolutely. and be in in kind of a terrible spot on the turn on most cards, right? Yep, absolutely. And it's honestly, yeah, almost any card that comes that doesn't improve him would be tough if yeah. if Rick bet again. That's also true even with a hand like Nine Seven suited. Honestly, oh yeah, goes bet, bet just a just a weak top pair. Yeah. He's not feeling super great on like the jack of hearts when rick bets again it's yeah. not not amazing or even a deuce honestly if rick bets again because yeah. like you are losing all the over pairs and maybe you have maybe you just have to hold on against rick solomon but then if you do then this goes to your point right of yeah. like giving him a chance just to keep firing either way Bryn decides to call so maybe this is a metagame thing against the entire table. Maybe he just believes rick has so many bluffs that are going to continue we don't really know why i would default towards a raise though yep I think that's right. Yeah. I agree. Okay. Well, anyway, there's the call. The pot's now big. $109,200. Okay. That's how much money I would like to have yeah. on nitrogen sports right now. That You think so small, and it's disappointing. Okay. Well... 100000 Really? I mean, if I make enough bets, you know? <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> why, not, why not more, though? Okay, maybe a billion. Now you're talking. Although still... You think small and it's sad. It is sad. What's not sad? Yes. Is that link in the description, baby. Oh, oh we're talking links and descriptions <laughs> right here. <laughs> it happened. It finally happened. Yes. Nitrogen sports. You got to use that link in the description to go to nitrogen. We got poker on there, man. We got the best poker. We just have the finest poker in the world. Yes. It's uh, it's aged poker. Yes. But, but it's not like overaged. It's not like we're aging it just to age it. <laughs> It's got an oak flavor just because people like oak flavor now. Yeah, no, 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 no. it's like it's, legit, like aged because that's what you're supposed to do with yeah, it. Yeah, right? like the Corinthian monks back in the day would have aged their. The Corinthian like monks are top two monks <laughs> for sure of all time. I think that's fair. You know what's so good about that link in the description? Mm. It gets you access to all of the special poker guys stuff when you sign up for Nitrogen, which is by the way very easy. They just require a username and a password, yep. and you're in. Yeah, you're in, baby. It's a Bitcoin-only poker site, which means withdrawals happen super fast. It doesn't have to mean that. Nitrogen just makes sure it means that. Yeah. 90 minutes or less. When you bank something, 
whoopity do. You get that money out so fast. You can, you can be, you know, you can basically bink a million dollars, which is possible on nitrogen. And, uh, you know, watch the movie phone booth and then spend that million dollars because that's how quickly you get that money. out. Yeah. And, it's pretty sh- good. and phone booth is pretty fun. It is surprisingly entertaining it's just for a, Sutherland. It's just a fun time. They got it right in right before cell phones became too ubiquitous, you know? Yep. Katie Holmes. Katie Holmes. How about that? Pre-cruise. I think. I don't know. I think. I think you're right. Who knows? I don't work for People Magazine. (laughs) I know someone who does. That's good to know. Isn't that weird? What else is good to know is what you get immediately when you use the link when you access Nitrogen Sports is access to the Poker Guys monthly tournament. It happens the final Sunday of every month. It's a great deal. We've talked about it many times. So many times. The overlay is absurd. You should just do it. I mean, there's so much extra money. As Bitcoin keeps going up and as they keep not lowering the guarantee, it's just like more free money than ever. It's kind of insane. We're at the point where they're now guaranteeing, I guess it's like $3,500. I mean, it's got to stop soon, right? Maybe it won't. I'm not going to say anything. Are you? No, I'm not going to say anything, but I have to believe they're going to look at their books eventually (laughs) and be like, this can't go on. Whatever, man. You know, there's a lot happening in the world and maybe they're distracted. They seem to be. Anyway, it used to be like, you know, $1,000 guaranteed. Now we're up to like $3,500 because the price of Bitcoin just keeps on going. It's unbelievable. It costs $350 to play. And the most they ever let in is 300 players. So there's always at least 700 buy-ins, at least guaranteed extra in the, in the pot. It's crazy. You have to do it. That's you it. Do. You absolutely You're just, if, if you hate money, I guess you could decide not to. If you, if you actually have avarice towards money, but otherwise, you know, move towards this thing. Yeah, you could be like a, an idealist for a Star Trek where they claim, they claim there's no currency left. They don't really explain how that works. <laughs> it's all you know, barter, man. Because nobody's figured it out. <laughs> but they're like, yeah, in this future, we have this way that like, nobody actually needs money for anything, but we don't exactly know how. Yeah. You know, we, I'd like to trade for a dilithium crystal. Well, what I would like is a fishing net. Well, we don't have any. I'm pretty sure it's so not a, Get out of here. I don't think barter is the answer. <laughs> I don't think it is. Anyway... We've got the four, five, seven, two club flop yeah. where Bryn Kenny has a set of fives. Rick Solomon has two sixes for an open ender. Yes. 110K in the pot. The turn is probably the worst turn card in the deck for Bryn Kenny. It's the eight of clubs. Mm. Maybe the worst turn card in the deck. Maybe the ace of clubs or king of clubs is equally bad. I don't know. Because Rick could have made a bigger set type of thing. Right. Not sure. Eight of clubs is pretty bad. It's pretty damn bad. Rick, by the way, with an open ended straight flush draw now. I feel like, I feel like the king of clubs is a worse card, actually. Just okay. because, like, when Rick's when Rick raises pre, like, he has more like big, big suitor Broadway and pocket aces, pocket kings type stuff than like sixes. Maybe you know? I'm just saying. Maybe whatever. It's a terrible card for Brent. It's clearly not great. It's a good card for Rick, although he doesn't love that it's a club. Although he does have redraws to two outs to the straight flush at least, so that's nice. That's true. And you know, Brent did not raise on the flop, which he's going to do with some of his flush draws. Yeah, not we can't completely you know x them out, but still. Can't X him out. He doesn't have that many. Anyway, Bryn's going to check, and he's going to do it sadly because he's sad. Sad Bryn Kenny. That's my new meme. All right, Rick, keep betting. You know, you made a straight now. I think we're the supposed to keep betting. In. We're like heads up. Blind versus blind. Okay, once in a while he has a flush. But like, well, I think we worry about that when it's time to worry about that. By the way, it's Bryn Kenny. We can't even really worry about it. So we? if we get check shoved on, basically, we have to just go with We're it. We're like, congratulations, ace five with the ace of clubs, I call. I think we have to against Bryn fucking Kenny. Yeah. 
We have the six of clubs in our hand, right? Yeah. That makes it a little bit better, a little bit easier. It's not a fun scenario. It's not fun, but we're Rick Solomon. We're made of money. I think most of it, by the way, is sex tape money, which is the best kind of money. (laughs) (laughs) Sex tape money. (laughs) Sure, why not? I don't think that's really Somebody made a lot of money on that tape. Why not Rick Solomon? Good point. All right. Yeah. <laughs> you lost your place? Is that what happened? No, no, I'm just looking at it. Oh, okay. Rick bets about half pot. Okay. 55K. Yeah, almost exactly half. So he's right. trying to get called by, you know, maybe Bryn made two pair on this card or something, you know. You wouldn't really put him on a set too often. No, I don't think we can put him on a set. We're hoping that Bryn just holds the hell on, I guess. I mean, maybe he's like seven, nine suited, like you said, or, you know, ace, seven suited or something like that. He could, he could have a big club along with his pair that yeah. he's holding on, but it's really just ace X with yeah. it because he doesn't have like, King clubs, king, king, king five off or anything no. like that, right? But, um, but he could have picked up the nut flush draw. And I think we have to try and charge him when it's, when it's the small blind. Don't we just have to charge him? I like betting. Yeah, I think you do. It just sucks to get check raised, but yeah, but not going to happen. Bryn's going to decide between calling and folding. Obviously, has to call with all the money behind, right? I think there's no question this is a call. Like You could be the, ahead. Sometimes we're ahead against Rick fucking Solomon. Like If Rick Solomon has like two jacks with a jack of clubs, I would guess he's checking, but he's Rick Solomon, man. Maybe he's betting sometimes. Yeah. He's got two aces with the ace of clubs. Maybe he's betting. Yeah. He might bet that. Um, if he has ace-king with the ace of clubs, he might be betting. Yeah. Or even the, just the king of clubs, he might be betting. Um, he might also be overvaluing just an overpair that doesn't have a club like for two, all I know. Two red tens, and he's like, I got to charge him. I got to protect. Yeah. Like, you know, I'm not, I'm not going to bet again, but I'm going to bet now. So I don't have to make a tough decision myself and another bad car won't come off. Yeah. Like we could be ahead for sure. He could have a worse set, by the way. It's unlikely, but he could. unlikely. It's really hard. Yeah. He's got just a set of fours, right? Yeah. All right. He usually doesn't have a worse set. No, it's uncommon, but it's possible. Anyway, the point is, I think we absolutely have to call. Sometimes we have the best hand. We, we can improve. And usually that's going to be good, right? If we improve. Usually. Yeah. So he, he does call. He yep. does call. It's an uncomfortable spot, but it is Rick frickin' Solomon. Yeah. And also, like, against most players, you have to call anyway. I think you have to call against pretty much everyone. We're getting a good price anyway. We're getting, like, three to one immediately. Like, it's fine. Like, it's not perfect odds, but it's close enough with some implied odds mm-hmm. at the board pairs. Pot's now $219,200. That's a lot of money. Yep. Uh, the board reads four, five, seven, eight with three clubs. Bryn's got a set of fives, and Rick has two sixes with the six of clubs. Okay. The river is the ace of spades. Notably, not another club. Yes. Could have made Rick Solomon a set. It's possible. Yes, it really could have. I don't know. You figure he's only ever betting the turn with aces if, it's, if he's got the ace of clubs in his hand and he's going for it a little bit. I'm not sure if he really would just because, like, isn't Brent Kenny the guy who's supposed to have some, made some straights on the turn on, like, yeah. a fair amount? But it's Rick Solomon. It's Rick Solomon. We've seen him overvalue hands. We really have. Maybe he goes for a thin value sometimes. Maybe. So he, he could have made top set at least a little bit. Yes. Either way, is there an argument for Bryn leading this river? Oh, great question. Well, if Rick had like ace king, he's checking back. Yeah. I have to believe. Right. If we lead, is he going to call? With a hand like ace king. We can't lead for very much. Yeah, we'd have to lead for like 70K or something into 220. Yeah, maybe even less. Maybe yeah. 50. You know, just try and get a little little bit of extra fruit off that tree. And then it's a bet fold. We just assume Solomon doesn't have enough moves to justify calling. You figure mostly he's not going to, like, turn the ace of clubs and, and, or the king of clubs into a bluff here, yeah. right? Mostly. Um, I think it's something to consider pretty strongly, actually. This board is rough. 
It's if, if we can comfortably bet fold and we feel really safe about folding if we get raised yeah. and like not like we're getting exploited at all, I think then it does make that the best play. Then I like that a lot because then we get value from all the hands that would have checked back. Sometimes they might fold. Yep. Okay. We block hands. If he's got a better, if he has a straight, he can only call. Yeah. That's great. So we save money if, if he was going to bet more. Right. Um, we save money either way, even if he raises a straight, we're folding right. anyway. You're right. You're right. We get to fold and we get to fold against all the better hands, which we assume like. I don't think even top set of aces can raise. So it's no, like, I don't think so. Not, and even if it does, who cares? That's yeah, better fold. hand than us anyway. Yeah. Um, but my point is like, he won't turn a set of fours. He won't, he won't raise that thinking he's doing it for value right. on this board. He's just not. So we don't have to worry about folding to an accidental, you mm-hmm. know, value bluff or whatever, you know? Yeah. I, th- I like that plan. I like it too. I think that's probably the way to get money here. I guess the other thing though, is like, we're looking at this from a lens of knowing we're behind. Yes. Like, if if we really think Rick Solomon is the guy with King Deuce off a lot here, maybe we should check anyway and just like close our eyes and call no matter what. I mean, here's a scenario for you. What if Rick Solomon has King Jack or King Queen with the King of Clubs? He bets the flop just because. Yeah. Now he turns the, the club draw. Yeah. He's like, I'm betting. Right. I'm not fucking checking. He bets. Now the river comes. He's like, I mean, how often does Bryn really have the Ace of Clubs in his hand? And if he doesn't... Like, even if he does, really, like, can't I just blow him off most things? I've got the second nut flush blocker here. Yeah. I, I can have king, queen of clubs and whatever else. Like, I, it's not insane to think that he might, you know, just blast off with that hand. Now, there aren't that many combos of king X, king of clubs X, but there's I mean, does some. it have to make that much sense? It's Rick Solomon. Right. Like, could he just have king deuce of diamonds and just go for it? I mean, if he can, then we should probably check. Yeah. If he can have King Goose of Diamonds, we should just check. I think the way that Bryn Kenny played the flop indicates to me that he believes Rick Solomon can have hands like King Goose of Diamonds. I agree. So I think he should check based on that. Yep. And that's what he does. Okay. All right. Now we get an interesting question. We're Rick Solomon. Yeah. So I guess if we bet we're trying to get called by Aces Up is yeah. like our number one target. Ace is up with the ace of clubs in its hand is the most obvious target, right? Ace five, ace seven. I mean, seven. it could even just be like ace seven suited. Doesn't have to have a club, right? He could, br- yeah. Like Brin could have easily held on. That's fair. But I think I think ace is up is totally the thing. I guess it could also be um, seven five suited or eight seven suited, yeah. something like that. Yeah, that like felt could only call the turn. Like but, two two pairs are target basically. Yeah, yeah, yeah. One pair is like seems absurd. Yeah. So how much do we want to bet to try to get called by that? We, we've got 220K in the pot. And what's, what are we bet? How much do we have back? We have Bryn stack? covered. Bryn has 324. Okay. Well, we're basically looking for a hero call. So maybe hero. like 100K? Well, the question is, do we want to bet small and make it look like a value bet? Which it would be in this case. But also it will look like that. Or do we want to bet big and make it polarized? Right? Big is, is pot to all in. Yeah, somewhere around there. Small is like 100K saying like, I have ace king, but I'm going for value kind of a thing. Or like, you know, or like a weirder bluff, which people will do, of course. Yeah. But I don't know if Rick Solomon is doing a whole lot of small bluffs, you know, less than half pot bluffs on rivers. So who knows? I would be concerned that Bryn Kenny actually can fold some two pair if we bet 100,000 on the river. You think you're more likely to get called with a bigger bet? I think we have a much higher EV on a bigger bet than a smaller bet. Okay. Do you agree with that? I can't poke holes in it upon first assessment, but something, something about me doesn't quite agree with it. Yeah. I'm not sure what it is. Okay. That's fair. Um, I don't know the answer, obviously, either. Just wondering. 
feel like it's an interesting thing to bet really big and be like, I'm crazy Rick Solomon who can have King Deuce of Diamonds, motherfucker, you know, kind of a thing. And yeah. like, we might just go all in if we, I don't know. I don't know if we would go all in, but we should bet however much we would bet with the King Deuce of Diamonds here. If, we, if, we, if we're capable of actually making a big bet with King Deuce of Diamonds, let's bet that much. I think Rick Solomon is capable of that. Let's bet however much we're going to bet that. Well, he goes all in, so I guess that's what he's doing. Oh, I hope so. Maybe, maybe not. Maybe in reality, he bets like 80% a pot with King Deuce and he goes all in with value. Maybe. Hopefully not. Hopefully that's the same. Rick moves all in. Okay. I mean, I don't hate this. It's a little gutsy because there are three clubs out there and Kenny can have bad flushes. It's 150% a pot. But we're Rick Solomon. We're made of money. We, we got sex tape money coming out the yin yang. And that is part of the sex tape, by the way. The it's money cr- comes out the yin yang? Well, wh- on the tape, it does. That's cool. Yeah. It's a nice sex tape money, yo. That's a nice feature. <laughs> um, all right. Bring Kenny. This oh is kind of what you were looking for, but I did mean, you want it to be this big? We did engineer this spot as hard as we possibly could, right? We could have raised the flop. I mean, once we got to the turn, we we're just calling, I guess. And, yeah. But here we are. But it feels like we engineered this. We didn't lead the river. We're engineering this spot. Yeah. Feels like the plan the whole time was to let him blast off, right? Maybe we were engineering more of a 75K bet than a well, 324K bet. Yeah, that- I think that's probably true. We were hoping for him trying to squeeze a little bit of extra yeah. value out of, out of hands or bluff. Right. But, you know, maybe he's bluffing and just pulling out the howitzer. And we've a, we have a really good hand. It just isn't a great hand. Yeah, but it's underrepped. Would Rick Solomon bet aces up here for value? If he had ace seven suited, would he? Bet? God, that's a great question because most players would not. But Rick Solomon, we've seen overvalue hands. Would he go all in with it if he had it? That's the question. I don't know. Two. I, just I don't, don't think he would, but I don't know. Maybe he would. I mean, this is this is the thing. I was like, we're against a player who might actually have hands that are worse than ours for value, which is on this run out with this action, not typically the case. But Rick Solomon is that guy who could actually have a worse hand for value. I feel like if Rick Solomon has a set of fours, there's only three combos. He's absolutely taking this line because it's not much different than this value wise, right? It's two pips or just a few pips down. It's not could be. It could be. It could be the case. And so he could be doing this with aces up too. maybe when Bryn just check calls the whole way. Maybe. Is he really betting 150% of the pot? I don't know. Seems like a lot, but he is Rick Solomon. If there's a guy to call Rick Solomon's among them, at least. Uh, I think I don't think we can fold, man. I don't think so either, but it sucks. sucks. Bryn does call. Yeah. Can't blame him. I blame him a little. You know who you can blame? Who? Brandon Steven. Guess what? Oh, my God. He had the nuts on the turn and still the nuts this on the river. This is a nearly million dollar pot. He's watching this. Yeah. With the nuts as of the turn the whole way. Yeah. Now, the truth is, let's see what... If he calls pre, Brandon is much more likely to raise on the flop. And then Steven probably just goes all in. Steven doesn't fold to that yeah. raise. So he always gets there. Yeah. Maybe he doesn't get paid on the river from uh, Bryn based on the way the action plays out. I don't even know if Rick Solomon folds to the raise on, yeah. on the flop. Maybe, I don't know if he, maybe he does, maybe he doesn't. Like, holy shit, Brandon Steven wins a lot of money and maybe all this money. Yeah, maybe. He might win as much money as this pot was. He might win more. He might win a little less. We may end up with a three-way all-in on the flop, depending on how it goes, out, yeah. goes down. You know, it's not completely impossible. Wow. That's, uh, that's some FOMO. Yeah, you flopped a pair in the nut flush draw. That's one of those. It just doesn't matter. I'm just never folding. Yeah. I'm happy to get all the money in and like whatever. But instead, Rick Solomon gets to win the pot. Yep. And Bryn Kenny loses. you know what? That money is going right to sex tape. Sex tape time. We're going to produce some more sex tapes. <laughs> all right. We'll get right on that. <laughs> Music is my sunlight and all I need is one mic. And I can show every single MC how it's done right. Every time I come by, I'm bound to leave them tongue-tied. I'm sipping on liquor, a quitter is what I'm not. We got one life. And I took a minor break, but I'm back to claim the throne. and going to be traveling the globe. We still have time to make it home.